you're listening to the Suzuki Games Cast for June 20th, 2022. Happy Juneteenth, at least the official celebration, the legal celebration. I guess yesterday was the actual day. Um, my name is Justin Young. Joining me as usual is OJ Duncan. And joining us back after missing two episodes in a row, really uh, <laughs> slacking off, like just, I, I don't know, he thought he was on vacation for the rest of the year or something, I think. <laughs> uh, Ryan Frills is finally back. Back to defend my honor. <laughs> back to defend Waluigi's honor. That too. <laughs> and joining us for the first time is Jesse Snyder. Hello. Hey, Jesse. Hi. Uh, Jesse, you're a grad student here in the School of Communication Studies. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of like what you're studying here and maybe what your research interest is? Sure. So I, uh, I'm i about to start my fourth year as a Ph.D. student here. Um, I'm about to start uh, my role as the technical director for the Kleinau Theater, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I tend to focus on material space and how we perform on it and how it performs back on us. Like, for example, theater spaces. How do we perform specifically based on how the theater is constructed, what's in it? Um, but you could even talk about, like, you know, how does a classroom work? Uh, how does a classroom make people feel and act? And how do we kind of uh, push back? So how do windowless classrooms make us feel? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're podcasting studios. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's not unusual for a podcasting studio to be windowless. Um, but classrooms to be windowless is kind of depressing at times. Yes. Right. Uh, well, we're happy to have you, Jesse. Um, Alicia is not here this week. We can only assume what Alicia is up to. I think we all assume that she is traveling the world, updating controllers as we speak. <laughs> uh, but we, uh, she's actually getting some time away to get to visit with family and everything. So we're happy for her and hope that she has a, a good trip away. We'll be slightly nicer to Alicia, at least for now, until we get to some of the news. Allegedly. <laughs> It's okay. I'm here to just spew hot gamer takes into the place. <laughs> no, no promises for Sonic's dignity. <laughs> oh, no, no. Like, while Alicia's away, we will trash Sonic. <laughs> we trash him while, he's here, while she's here, so I guess that's no different. Um, let's jump straight into the news, though. Um, we have quite a bit still from the E3 slash Summer Games Fest slash whatever we are calling this time of year now. Lots of big shows and announcements and everything coming out. So we'll jump right into the news and then kind of move on uh, as quickly as possible. Um, AM2R, uh, the another Metroid 2 remake that came out uh, a couple of years ago. Nintendo tried to shut it down. You can still find it fairly easily if you just, you know, do a little Googling around and everything. You'll still find it up on websites and everything. Uh, but that team behind it, the developers and everything, are now, this is the unofficial Metroid 2 remake. So Nintendo made their official Metroid 2 remake that came out on the Nintendo 3DS um, about the same time, like six months later or something after AM2R came out. But anyways, this team that did the unofficial remake is now working on a wholly original Metroidvania title. So they're taking the skills that they honed in doing that remake, and they're going to make a wholly original game. Um, so I think a lot of people will probably be excited over that because that 
their remake was met with quite a bit of critical praise. A lot of Metroid fans really liked that. Some even liked it better than Nintendo's version of the remake. That's awesome that they'd give them the chance like that. Um, Diablo Immortal. This is the Diablo started as a mobile game, and then they did a PC version of it. Um, It apparently earned $24 million in its first two weeks. 66% 66% of the players are in the U.S. and South Korea. Um, one of the things that people have pointed out online is that Diablo 3, when it launched, earned over, I think the number I saw kicking around was over $120 million in its first 24 mm-hmm. hours of release. Um, but I think one of the things to understand about mobile games is that the whole idea behind most mobile games is for them to have a long tail, Right. So it's the idea that, okay, this made $24 million in its first two weeks. Their hope would be it makes $24 million every two weeks for the next three years or something, right? Um, And so that seems to be the hope here and everything. Um, Obviously, Diablo Immortal has met with a lot of negative (laughs) uh, feedback from Mm -hmm. players, uh, very upset about how much microtransactions I think it was last week we were talking, or two weeks ago, we were talking about this, Mm -hmm. that it was going to cost something like $100,000 to fully level up your player. Minimum. Uh, Yeah. Um, And I saw a streamer spend over $10,000 and not get a single five-star. Good Lord. Not a single one. How much? Uh, Over $10,000. I think they they got to $16,000 before they got a five-star. I am impressed by people who have $10,000 to spend on a (laughs) mobile game. So in the game, you have equipment, and the equipment has slots for gems. And then each gem has slots that you put other gems in. And so you have to fill each slot in your equipment with a five-star gem, which will then have five slots for five other five-star gems to put in. Okay, I remember now. You talked about that last week. And that was was just one five-star gem. So even (laughs) if they got the one, they still had to get five more to fully... To fill the first five-star... Right, so it's so. five times five, 25 yeah. five-star gems that they need. For each piece of equipment. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about Diablo 4 here in a little bit, but um, you know, I'll be interested to see. $24 million is nothing to sneeze at, mm-hmm. but if you know, it'll be interesting to see, can they keep that up or does that fall off a cliff? As more, as fewer people have ten thousand dollars to throw at this game, <laughs> um, Insomniac games, uh, Insomniac, those behind the Spider-Man game for PlayStation Four and the remake for Five and the Miles Morales game and all that, um, they have hired one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe concept artists uh, as the art director for the upcoming Spider-Man Two game. Um, you know, these games are not tied in to the MCU. They're not, they're certainly not canon, but they're not even based off the MCU. Um, but this is still kind of, I guess, interesting. Um, if they're trying to bring in more of that design aesthetic and everything that very, you know, there's a very unique design aesthetic to the Marvel cinematic Mm -hmm. universe and to the costumes and everything and the way that the characters look, um, and I wonder if that's the goal with this, 
or I don't know. Um, I know several of you are big MCU fans. How do you feel about this? I'm excited. I know they look the the movies look really good, and I'm sure that he's going to bring a lot to the game. Um, and we just actually watched through the uh, most of the MCU. We finished uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier last night, actually. So um, I'm really excited to see them coming out for the game. Uh, I'm I'm pretty happy about this because um, I I do like the aesthetics of like the costume design and a lot of the uh, MCU movies and um, in particular I've liked the looks of the movies like Spider Man No Way Home, which granted also takes aesthetics from previous Marvel mm-hmm. things from Sony, but I also really like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and I. I mean, I don't know what this MCU concept artist specifically has done, but given that I feel like the MCU's like aesthetic has gotten more interesting over time, I'm mm-hmm. more excited about this than I think I would have been like a few years ago. Yeah. Have you watched Miss Marvel yet? I have not. So <laughs> that show debuted to half the number of viewers of any other of the Marvel series on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It is the most visually interesting of all the Marvel TV shows. Um, it is it has a very unique look to it and everything. They do some really interesting stuff with it. It's nothing groundbreaking. It's nothing that hasn't been done in other movies before. But for Marvel, it's like really out there. It's like Marvel taking a chance and everything with the design. Um, so, yeah, I don't know the specific artist, what they've worked on and everything, but it doesn't cut it. Strikes me as interesting and everything. Yeah. Um, so Marvel getting a little bit more experimental, that's good, mm-hmm. I think, in the long run. Um, so the Quarry, which uh, the Quarry, I should say, um, the game that came out just very recently, this is from the Until Dawn development team. Um, it's been announced that it was originally a Google Stadia game are being developed for the Google Stadia service, <laughs> uh, along with the game High on Life, which got announced at the Xbox Bethesda show. Um, I, I just thought this was really interesting because obviously Google Stadia has very much pivoted away from making their own original games. These were two games. The Quarry has come out to very positive reviews, um, and High on Life got quite a bit of... Uh, notice when it debuted at the xbox show and it's kind of a peek into what might have been with google stadia like if they could could have toughed it out this long until they started to get games of this quality people might have been more interested like this you know these are the type of games that you might go to a service just to play even if you have no interest in a streaming service um so i thought it was kind of interesting obviously you know it's is what could have been. It, it definitely will not happen now. <laughs> um, let's see. The original Pokemon Snap is coming to Switch Online Expansion Pass. So if you have the Expansion Pass that gets you N64 emulation, that is coming June 24th, which is, what, Friday? Yes. Yeah. Um, has anybody here played the new Pokemon Snap that came out on Switch? No. I have not. I I have plans too. It's in my queue. But anybody a fan of the original Pokemon Snap? I actually liked the original Pokemon yeah, me too. Snap. Um, and I remember going to Blockbuster and printing out the like pictures that you were able to take in the game, and you could just like print them out as little stickers at a Blockbuster. Um, I still have some at home, actually. That's cute. 
I I liked it. Okay, like, I think I would have. You know, Oda, you just brought up like taking the pictures. I think I would have preferred it if I had access to that. Like at the time, um, I think that sounds like that was important to the appeal of that game to me anyway. But yeah, I, I liked it. I don't know. I might play the new one when it's like cheaper or something. Right. I feel like Pokemon Snap is talking about printing out pictures and everything. I feel like it's a perfect game to integrate with social media Mm -hmm. and this is not nintendo's way at all right Mm -hmm. but i feel like if pokemon snap integrate it with instagram Mm -hmm. um now you would be very much self-identifying yourself as a major nerd but (laughs) it would also be pretty cool or fun right to be able to like share your best pictures and that seems like something that could have kept that game more interesting long term because I feel like the new Pokemon Snap came out and kind of disappeared very quickly. Yeah, I don't, I haven't really heard much about it. I don't think. Yeah, uh, you know, and you would think you would think Alicia alone mm-hmm. would have like yeah. <laughs> talked about it because she's playing every Pokemon game out right now mm-hmm. all at the same time, which are all definitely better than Sonic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, every game we talk about today is really better than Sonic. <laughs> Superman 64, better than Sonic. <laughs> E.T., the game. <laughs> <laughs> Poor E.T. Um, let's see. Capcom has announced Dragon's Dogma 2 yes. after many years of people yes. desperately wanting this. Mm-hmm. So, Jesse, <laughs> I hear you uh, yesing at this. So, I'm guessing you are one of those people who's been craving a Dragon's Dogma follow-up for years. It's such a good game. It it's really such is. such a good game. It's on the um, RE engine, which the new Resident Evil 7, 8, and the remakes of 2 and 3 have been on, and Devil May Cry 5, and the new Monster Hunter. But they haven't... That engine hasn't done anything open world, I don't think. And so I'm interested in seeing what they do with it. But I like the games on that engine. Mm-hmm. So, And OJ, you played this as well? Oh, yes. I love Dragon's Dogma. I'm very, very excited for this. I feel like when Dragon's Dogma came out, it was very much, and this may just be how the media framed it, it was very much pitched as, this is our Skyrim. Mm-hmm. And then that was sort of not how the game itself was. And I think that hurt the game when it came out because mm-hmm. those were the expectations maybe being projected onto it. Mm-hmm. And then I know that game has sort of a, a late game twist to it that really won a lot of people over. Um, or Again, this is my understanding because I didn't play it. Um, and so I feel like now when I talk to people who are Dragon's Dogma fans, they are like, religiously in camp with Dragon's Dogma. Like, this is something they just love. Um, it's sort of like uh, Hollow Knight fans. We'll talk more about Hollow Knight here in a few minutes. Um, so I was ex- just excited that people are getting the sequel they want, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is one of those times when you get real excited because people are getting the game they've been craving for years and good for them. <laughs> and well, I certainly came to it late, as a lot of people mm-hmm. did. I came mm-hmm. in when it got that very late. PC release. I'd never mm-hmm. heard of it. A lot of people hadn't heard of it. And mm-hmm. when they when it came out, people were like, oh, it's that obscure one. <laughs> and I said, right. sure, that's up, that sounds up my alley. And then I ended mm-hmm. up really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play it again before the sequel comes out. Yeah. My, uh, my husband bought it right when it came out, and then I started playing it and didn't like it really at first. And then I came back to it a couple of years later and really, really liked it. So, All right, great. I'm, gl- I'm glad we have some people who were excited for that. <laughs> um. All right, 
it's that time of the week again. It's our Activision Blizzard terrible news of the week. Activision Blizzard has been doing an internal investigation on um, the complaints about how they handled harassment, and they have cleared themselves of Finally. any wrongdoing. Yeah. <laughs> Who could can, have guessed? We can put this behind us, finally. Yeah. <laughs> like, did, like, did they think that the, this will sound good? Everybody will like us again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this is one of those situations, like, from a PR perspective, this is where you throw someone under the bus, mm-hmm. right? Like, you take your HR person, you throw them under the bus, you let them take the fall, you tell them, we're going to give you a very nice golden parachute to get out the door, but we, somebody has to take the fall for this. And they, and I'm not saying this is the right thing to do. I'm saying this is the common sense PR move to do. And to come out and say, well, we did nothing wrong when you clearly have done something <laughs> wrong and you have not handled this situation well. This wasn't just one complaint. It was multiple, multiple complaints over years, including with your CEO, this just seems so tone deaf and it seems so fitting for Activision Mm -hmm. to do this. Like of any game company to come out and do this, Activision is the least surprising. I'm wondering if this is going to turn around whenever the Microsoft acquisition goes through next year. Um, That, that, have y'all yeah. talked about that? Yeah. So I go ahead. No, go. I was going to say, um, I don't like if I were Microsoft at this point, I would pull out like completely. <laughs> like yeah. I don't, I don't want my my hands on that. So, um, yeah, Activision is certainly taking its place among the axis of gaming alongside yeah. <laughs> EA and Ubisoft. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, the I I suppose. If, one way to read this is this is Activision Blizzard trying to smooth things over for that acquisition. Mm-hmm. The worst way possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, at some point it is the people who own the company, right? Yeah. It is the shareholders, the big shareholders, the board of directors. It is those people saying, we've just got to get through this acquisition, mm-hmm. right? And then we can cash our checks and we're out of here so let's just say there's no big problem. Let's get on and move on and get this done with. Who cares in a year if this blows up in our face, right? Um, and so it's hard to imagine it being worse with Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it could be, but Microsoft doesn't have nearly the same issues, or at least not mm-hmm. that have been publicized. Right, right. Um, so you sort of hope that Microsoft might whip this company into shape, but there's always the possibility that this is a cancer that is just going to infect Microsoft. Well, I think they said that they were going to leave Bobby Kotick in charge, which is silly, mm-hmm. but we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's also hard to know if they're going to leave him in charge for six months after the right. acquisition mm-hmm. and then let him quietly bow out. Um or they can say, we did our own investigation, and now we're getting rid of him, and he's the person we're throwing. Well, not really throwing under the bus because he's done horrible things. but uh. <laughs> We will publicly throw him down the stairs yeah. and so that you can watch him tumble down yes. comically. 
with Benny Hill music in the background. <laughs> it's going to be those Joker stairs that he danced on. <laughs> Just falling down those stairs repeatedly. Um, let's see. There's not a whole lot of news here, but there's reports out that Sony is developing a PlayStation 5 Pro controller. Um, conceivably, this would be something similar to the Xbox Elite controller, which retails for, I forget, like $150. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some additional features like back buttons on the controller, mm-hmm. um, has some ability to add weights to the controller, to change the directional pad, change the, um, the analog sticks in and out. You know, there's been demand for this for a while. There's been some third-party companies who've attempted this for the PlayStation 4, um, but apparently Sony's doing this. The thing with a pro controller at this point is that Next-gen controllers are already crazy expensive. Like PlayStation 5 controllers are, I think, retail $70. Yep. yep. I saw that when I bought my <laughs> PlayStation 4 controller recently. So, Yeah. And it's I a think- very good controller, but I, I enjoy the PlayStation 5 controller quite a bit. But it's... Uh, Everything about it's expensive. And, yeah, and the life is about 417 hours because I just had to look it up because uh, one of our controllers is drifting uh, up now. And the average age, uh, age is 417 hours for a PlayStation 5 controller. Wow. So yeah. if they did a pro where you could replace parts, I might <laughs> be willing to buy it because um, like 417 hours isn't a whole lot in my household. No, you've got three people playing yeah. on that, right? So, yeah, um, yeah the, you can burn through those controllers really quick, and they've gotten prohibitively expensive. I mean, when you're talking about $70 for a controller, that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's pretty hard for a lot of people to swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this a few weeks ago. It has now been made official. The Gran Turismo movie is coming out August 2023, and it is, quote, based on a true story. What story that is, I don't know. I looked this up after I saw your your prep thing. It's about a kid who was very good at Gran Turismo, and there was a competition to see who could win this competition at Gran Turismo and would become a real race car driver. And it's about this kid that won this competition and became a real race car driver. Okay. How, how old is the kid? I don't remember. Okay. I was just wondering. That like, makes a lot more sense than anything I've ever thought of for, for a Gran yeah, Turismo movie. I had to look that up when I saw that. I was like, what true story? <laughs> is it a, a, a car that g- drives on its own? But, it's uh, the it's Herbie, a, the love bug <laughs> <laughs> story. Uh, but no, it's just a kid who won a competition. Yeah, I know that they've had competitions like that. So that's really interesting mm-hmm. that, you know, that's really interesting because it's a game that inspired a competition and then that competition is now being turned into a movie that's about the game and the competition that has spawned. That's really kind of, um, you know, like a snake eating itself. <laughs> I think they should get like Spike Jones direct and Charlie Kaufman to write this. <laughs> well, they are getting uh, Neil Blomkamp. Neil Blomkamp, the, oh. the district District Nine, District Nine guy, the chappy guy to this, which is an odd choice, but that might just be, make it interesting enough for me to watch it. This is his consolation prize for that Aliens movie he never got to make. <laughs> so I'm kind of getting like the Wizard vibes from this. So are they going to introduce some type of video game peripheral and be like the 
the the power wheel. It's so bad. <laughs> I was uh, kind powers. of getting Star Wars Episode One vibes from Anakin Skywalker story. <laughs> yeah, this is Gran Turismo. <laughs> Tagline. Oh man, if they don't have that scene in the that shot in the trailer, <laughs> just need to have that line. Um, yeah, I mean. That's more interesting than just about any story I could have conceived of them telling. I mean, yeah, it was certainly the case with the uh, Need for Speed movie. It was kind of just exactly <laughs> by the numbers, but this is at least something interestingly mm-hmm. meta, maybe a feel-good story. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gran Turismo always felt like such a weird thing to turn into a movie. It always, I mean, we talked about this, and whenever we talked about this the last time, that it makes more sense as a TV show where you might follow people who are race car drivers and, you know, do it as like a branding onto that. Like a reality show? Yeah. Um, you know, and, sure. but like this, this makes sense. This makes perfect sense. Sounds interesting. You know, if it's on a streaming service, I'll watch that. I don't know. It would get me to the theater to see it, but who knows? <laughs> If, if it does have the line, now this is Gran Turismo, <laughs> like, that might get me to the theater. <laughs> Just lean into the absurdity of it all. Um, all right. So next thing in the news is about the Final Fantasy VII 25th anniversary celebration. And I feel like before we go any further, Alicia did message us and say we had to convey her reaction to this the announcements at this event, which was just, ah! Is that a good or a bad thing? She may have been being eaten by a Rancor monster. It's hard to tell. (laughs) Um, I think it was supposed to be good. Very excited about all the news that came out of this. She's a Final Fantasy fan, so I imagine that's... Yeah. Um, So let's kind of run down some of this. Uh, First, Final Fantasy VII Remake... uh, has come to steam is right. now available. You can go buy it right now. Uh, dollars. Yeah. On sale for $50 right now. I think it will writ will normally be 70, but yep. right now it's at $50, which is a good price for that. Cause it comes with the, uh, integrate, uh, DLC as part of it. So that seems like a decent price to me. Um, I know some people are complaining. It's a two year old game. <sighs> Well, it's on a new platform. What do you yeah. want? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did port it. I, there is some work there to be done. Yeah. Um, the bigger news, though, was they announced the sequel to it, which is called Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Um, as part of this, they also announced that it is part two of a trilogy. So the Final Fantasy remake will be three parts, remake, rebirth, and an as-yet-unnamed mm-hmm. third part. Reloaded. <laughs> um, like what one. was it? Revolutions? Yeah. Is that the third <clears throat> Matrix movie? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Masterpiece. Um, and then they announced that it's coming to the PlayStation 5 next winter. Um, next winter made me think winter of 2023, so fall of 2023, mm-hmm. not, not January 2023. Um, so at least a year and a half away at this point, but still that's not too bad given that it's square and final fantasy games usually take them like 10 years to make. So <laughs> uh, when did the first part of seven come out? 
remember what year that was. Two years ago, I think. Yeah, I think it was two years ago. I liked what I played of it. Mm -hmm. I need to finish it. Yeah, that's a that's a good game. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's one of the best Final Fantasy products they've made in years. Mm -hmm. I feel like. Uh, I'm interested in trying it. I think I want to actually go and play the original Final Fantasy VII, like, again first. That mm-hmm. One of my secret shames is I never finished that one. Mm. I, I don't so think you're, <laughs> I don't I don't think ne- you're alone in that. I've never beaten a Final Fantasy game. I've tried to start 15, like, multiple times. And each time I do, rough. I like parts of it more. I like the road trip with your boys stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I need to finish. I... I got close in 7. It was just at the point where I had to fight, like, grind for a long time before facing Mm. some final stuff. And Mm -hmm. the new one? No, and the old 7. And I just... Now, I'm actually more happy just doing that, like, just repeating a lot of fights and chilling out. But at the time, like, my ADHD was just like, no! (laughs) (laughs) My favorite thing about the 7 remake is that it reminded everyone that it's always been about, like... uh, Global eco terrorism, mm-hmm. which is the funniest yeah. thing. No one seemed to talk about that with the original, but then, of course, with mm-hmm. voice acting and where it's all high graphics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone forgets about the eco terrorism as soon as Aeris dies in the original. Sure. So, like, it's like, oh wait, what? What? There was drag. <laughs> there was there was eco terrorism. There was an orgy. What? Like, oops. I well, I feel like they dropped the eco terrorism stuff after like they leave. Um, the, the city, Mid- yeah, Midgar. Yeah. Like after that first disc, they mm-hmm. kind of drop. Is is still there, kind of mm-hmm. in the background, but it's not as forward in the plot as it is early on in mm-hmm. the game. Right. Um, I think also a lot of people just didn't get it. Yeah, didn't get what was going on. <laughs> um, and this, the remake leans into all that mm-hmm. a little bit heavier. Um, the same thing with the drag stuff; it kind of leans mm-hmm. into that a little heavier. Mm-hmm. And I think the 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 up res and the graphics and everything, <laughs> you know, the way they can depict that makes it more, more impactful, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe to the audience. Yeah. Um, Just saying RuPaul's Final Fantasy, make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something they'll do in, was it 14, the online game? <laughs> RuPaul will be a, a guest character. And it's Pride Month, so come on. Give us something. Yeah, I mean, that seems like something they should have done. They, you know. Yeah, Square Enix. Here's your Pride <laughs> Month armor you can wear. Um, yeah, so this was, uh, I think, super exciting for people. Um, more specifically, like, kind of leaning into the, the plot, the trailer for this that they do show, and I don't want to talk about the ending to <laughs> to remake, mm-hmm. but Rebirth seems to be indicating they are going very far from the original story. Mm-hmm. Like they're leaning even further away than remake did. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's a surprise to people that some of remake diverges a mm-hmm. bit from the original game. Some of it a lot. This seems to be doing a lot and they're showing that in the trailer right mm-hmm. from the beginning. Right. I well, wonder if, we're going to see that with more like nostalgic takes on like Japanese popular culture because Evangelion did a similar thing with its like anime series and they re- recently released the Evangelion Rebuild movies and so I wonder if we're going to like keep seeing more of that in the future. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's an interesting 
it's an interesting way to approach nostalgia, right? right? Like versus say the Disney way where Disney literally is taking their animated films and remaking them in Ugh. some cases shot for shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is more the Pete's dragon route. Did you see the live I, action Pete's dragon? I actually did not. I, that's one of the few Disney live action remakes I want to see at some point. <laughs> so it's probably the best live action remake they've done because they basically took the setup for Pete's dragon and then just went off in a completely different direction. And so it has some of the ideals there in it, but it is a completely different story than the original film. Mm-hmm. Right. And that I think is kind of what you're talking about. What Japanese culture seems to be doing is, well, we're going to go back and take that original gem of an idea and we're going to go in entirely new directions with it, which is kind of what Final Fantasy Origins did, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. we're going to take this original idea, but we're going to just go in a completely new direction with it. Which, which is, yeah. oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Which could have been good. <laughs> and you know it, it's not necessarily always going to work but succeed or fail i think that's a more interesting direction to take mm-hmm. like um like you know again it cl- clearly ojs we seen it can fail um and you know not all the evangelion rebuild movies are seen as good i need to go back and try to watch them again because i was super disappointed with the first one but um but i do think that's more interesting than just let's do the live action version with these celebrities yeah, I mean, we did get Beyonce for The Lion King. Okay, that mm-hmm. is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a more interesting take, and it, there's probably, from a cultural studies perspective, probably something really interesting there about mm-hmm. why Japanese artists would go that direction um, instead of just a very clear, straightforward remake. Um so, yeah, I agree. I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting. This is a much more interesting game than, say, The Last of Us Part 1, the remake that they're doing of The Last of Us, where they are just doing better graphics to a 10-year-old game that already looked amazing. And granted, that new remake looks amazing, but it's the same game. I didn't know they were doing that. Yeah, and they're doing it for the PlayStation 5. It looks amazing. Great graphics, but it is The Last of Us, you know, which they've already done a um, what they, a remaster mm-hmm. is what they called it um, for the PlayStation 4, and now they've, they're doing a remake for the PlayStation 5. It has become Skyrim. Right. Every new console <laughs> is going to get a new version of this, right. or uh, Grand, Grand Theft Auto 5, right? Why would they do it for Bloodborne? <laughs> <laughs> for the Bloodborne remaster for a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots of Bloodborne fans yeah. are, are still waiting for that. Well, uh, what I've been wondering about The Last of Us, the, the remake, is I wonder if they're going to go back and put in, like, more LGBTQ themes because, like, the second one has a lot of them. So, like, the first one doesn't have that much. So I think they might be going back and, like, expanding those, maybe. Or that's what I was thinking they may be doing, but I don't, I don't have anything to back that up. That was just a... That'd be good. That's in the DLC for the first one. Mm-hmm. So what is it called? Left Behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so the it's the DLC, but it's actually a prequel to the original game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's interesting because it's one of those situations where in the original game, 
I don't know that that's ever even hinted at or, you know, or even talked about in any way Mm -hmm. in the original game. And then they released the DLC and then Mm -hmm. it's in the DLC. And then in part two, it's pretty heavy in part two. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they know in in the first one, and it's been a very long time uh, since I played it, there's the character and he has like um, gay porn magazines at one point. And so there's, there's a side character that has gay porn magazines. And that, that was about all that they touched on the first one. Mm. Um, with a main character that's supposedly queer. I'm not going to say supposedly she is, but, you know. Um, all right. Uh, for Final Fantasy, they also announced Crisis Core Final Fantasy Seven Reunion. So this is uh, not called a remake, but a remaster of Crisis Core, which was originally a, a PSP, PlayStation Portable game. That is coming to PS4 and 5, Xbox One, S and X, Steam, Switch, this winter. Um, so I know, again, Alicia asked us to express her view on this. <laughs> she was super excited because I think like a lot of people, she did not own a PlayStation Portable. So this mm-hmm. is her first chance to get to play this. Um, you know, Square is sort of infamous for doing this um, with the Kingdom Hearts games where they make random <laughs> Kingdom Hearts games for all sorts of different systems. And then, okay, well, we're going to remaster those and put them out for the most popular systems now. And that seems to be the same thing that they're doing with this one. Has anybody here actually played Crisis Core? No, but I'm very excited about this uh, so that I will get to play it. Same All right, the other big news of the week was the Xbox slash Bethesda showcase. Um, They showed off quite a few games. (coughs) We're going to run through these fairly quickly and hit some of the highlights, but if there's anything you want to talk about off of this list that we kind of skip over, feel free to jump in. Um, They showed off one of their sort of marquee titles that was supposed to come out this year and now has been pushed early next year. That's Redfall. Um, this is from Arcane, um, and this is a four-player cooperative shooter. Um, you know, I think early on it's been very much pitched as a sort of Left for Dead type game. I think what was interesting watching the actual footage of this game, because up until now I think all we've seen has been uh, CG trailers. So I think this was the first, at least extended footage that we've seen of this game. Um, what was most interesting to me watching it was that this seems to be, I don't want to give it too much credit, but an evolution of the left for dead formula. It seemed to be doing a little bit more. It seemed to be hinting that it was more open world. It is open world. Um, instead of, you know, left for dead, which is very much level to level and, you know, the safe rooms in between and everything. Um, it, it looked interesting. Um, I'm not a big fan of these types of games. It's not a game I type I play a lot, but this one actually looked pretty interesting to me. It also can be played solo. So if you're that type of gamer, that's totally fine too. I'm excited about this one. I love Arcane. Deathloop didn't ignite me, but um, this one's being done by Harvey Smith and the team that did Prey from 2016, uh, which I love to death. And so I'm super excited to see what they do with this one. Um, and what, what do you think of the footage that you saw? Uh, Arcane's always been the, the 
developer to like give you superpowers and stuff. And up until recently, they liked to uh, hide the bad ending behind a bunch of the powers. Like uh, Dishonored, if you used all your cool powers, you're killing people, you get the bad ending, which mm-hmm. I never really agreed with. But this looks like you know, uh, you you it's it's just vamp like good good fun vampire kill. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not expecting much of a good story. I'm expecting. Uh, a really cool world to explore and rules to kind of learn. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do that, but um, Harvey Smith, by the way, he was one of the lead level designers on Deus Ex. It's one of the best games ever made. So that's I'm, I'm very excited to see his next game. Yeah, some of the powers they showed off was obvious things like having a shield and everything, but then kind of less obvious things like people sort of manifesting boxes and people mm-hmm. being able to jump on top of those and then leap off. Um, so some neat stuff going on in that game. The design of the game looks pretty neat and everything. Um, I, I got tickled because in the trailer, the, the character that was being played and shown is sort of talking as they go through the level and everything. And they say, oh, shit, multiple times. <laughs> oh, can we cuss in this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, but they, they say it multiple times, and I just thought, that's kind of funny the first time, but, like, by the 20th time <laughs> they say that within an hour, I think that's going to get kind of, like, you know, just laughable and everything as I, you're playing. I was kind of hoping, maybe expecting a little bit, that it's kind of like those Ubisoft games that have co-op, and they always have people on the E3 trailers going like, all right, go up, flank them, and that kind right. of thing, but it's not actually in the game. I don't know. I don't know. They'll sound it like character lines, right. not, you know, fake players. Yeah. Ubisoft always does a great job of that fake uh, player chatter and everything during their games. <laughs> This is not how anybody talks while playing a video game. Um, all right, they also showed off the sequel to Hollow Knight, Hollow Knight Silk Song. Um, th- I think the biggest news to come out of this was that this will come to Game Pass uh, on day and date of its release. So I, I think we've talked about it before. I did not. I was not able to get into Hollow Knight, despite the fact that I usually like Metroidvanias. Like, it just didn't connect with me. But the people who love this game absolutely love it and have been super excited for it. Um, so I don't know if any of you have played it. I think we've talked about it before. Nobody here had. Uh, I've played a little bit of Hollow. I want to. I want to play more. Um, I just it's one of those games I try to play late at night, and because it, it just feels like a game that's good for that time. And that's when my cat is like, "No, pay attention to me." <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! Don't blame to. your cat. <laughs> I, no, I need to start pl- trying to play it during the day. I just—it's a nighttime game. Look at it. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It, you know, you're underground. Like it feels like a game to play at night, right? But this is—I'm actually the like Metroidvanias. I want to get into them. I have a hard time clicking with them. But this is one of the ones that I'm like, I like this. This is. So yeah, I, I'm. I will say I'm looking forward to this, but I I also still want to play more of the original. So. It's got a cool aesthetic. So, yeah. Um, they showed off High on Life. Um, we mentioned this earlier. It was originally being developed as a Stadia game. It is now coming to Xbox and other systems. I think the thing that's probably most notable about this is that the uh, Rick and Morty creator, Justin Rowland, is doing voices for this game. This is, this is a weird game. You're 
guns that you pick up are creatures and they will talk to you and everything. So like while you're shooting and everything, they'll talk to you. And so Justin Rowland's doing some of the voices of some of the guns. Um, it looks like a really bizarre first person shooter. I, I liked some of the way it looked. I didn't know how, again, that sort of chatter kind of again, like Redfall. sometimes that stuff wears thin really quick. Yeah. And a little bit of Rick and Morty goes a long way. <laughs> and so if that is the entire aesthetic of this game, I, I feel like that might get old really quick for me personally. But I don't know. Uh, yeah. What do you all think of it? I'm kind of over Rick and Morty <laughs> at this point. So yeah. more of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure, it looks really silly. I hope it's a good game. People mm-hmm. enjoy it. It's just not my thing. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I actually need to still look at this one um but just like from the way you talk about it 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 sounds like it could be interesting but again i'm kind of like and like i i liked rick and morty okay but i'm not i was never like one of its super fans and it's something that's kind of overstated it's welcome for me so like when you tell me it's it's by some of the people that did rick and morty i'm just kind of like it could be good i'm just you know we'll see yeah, the advertisement said from the mind of Justin Roiland. So I don't know if that's a Justin Roiland presents or is that a, <laughs> a Justin Roiland production? Who knows yeah. what is how much he's actually involved in it. Yeah, I, I think I I got Borderland vibes from this game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I really like the first Borderlands, but they successively got more obnoxious to me. They won't <laughs> stop talking. Yeah, they like they the, won't stop talking. The characters won't shut up, and they're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's, I feel like it's a bunch of twelve-year-olds like making jokes, and I worry th- about that with this game. Um, and you know, being a first-person shooter, of course, is going to give me Borderland vibes. Um. Riot Games has announced that they are bringing pretty much all of their titles to Xbox. Uh, Riot Games are the ones who make uh, League of Legends. Um, That's their most, I guess, popular, most notable game. Um, And the thing that's most interesting about this is, like, as part of Game Pass, if you have Game Pass, you get all the characters unlocked for you. And that's something like over a $100 value. Um to unlock all those characters, $140 or something to unlock all those characters. Um, those who, I think most people know what League of Legends is. It's a MOBA, um, you know, has like over 100 characters and you pay for each one of those characters and everything. So these are all going to be unlocked um, to play this. Um, they also make, a, was it Val- Valorant? Um, and so this is, this is not exciting to me but there are people who are really into league of legends there are people who play it competitively um i would guess our esports team here at sau plays league of legends competitively lots of colleges do now i know um so this seems like a really incredible value for those people Mm -hmm. and for anyone who's interested in getting into league of legends potentially have they dealt with all the toxicity yet? <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about within the players or the studio? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no is my guess on both accounts. Um, 
I'm sure like Activision and Blizzard, they have cleared themselves of any wrongdoing. <laughs> Guys, I can assure you we're doing okay. <laughs> well, there's a fire in the Here's background. Here's $200,000 to not talk anymore. <laughs> um, they showed off a Plague Tale Requiem. Uh, this is the sequel to A Plague Tale Innocence. Um, this is also coming day and date to Game Pass. It's awesome. I I actually really like the first Plague Tale. Um, I don't think it's a an incredible game, but it's a much better game for a game that kind of came out of nowhere that I felt like nobody was kind of expecting. Um, and so I'm really interested to see what they do with a follow-up right. to it. Focus Home Interactive doesn't have the best track record for good games, and so uh, that when that one came out, it's kind of like a B-tier or double-A-tier prestige game, like all the big Sony titles like um, Last of Us and all those somber, uh, heady uh, themes, lots of violence uh, titles like that. And so I, um, despite all that, I really liked A Plague Tale, in a sense, despite its name as well. Yeah. And so... Um, I'm I'm excited to, to rejoin them and yeah. see if they uh, see if the second iteration of this one comes with I guess more interesting gameplay hopefully instead of just pushing fire braziers across the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those games that had a very a very surprisingly good first outing. So you have you have a, a hope that it can yeah. be something better than it is. Um, with a sequel. Um, they might actually get there fully with the sequel. So we'll see. Uh, they showed off the new Forza Motorsport. This is the very sim-focused Forza racing game, not to be confused with Horizons. Uh, I got to say, I like Horizons. I'm not really a fan of the more sim-focused racing games, but this looked very, very pretty. This is the prettiest racing game I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, they're doing some amazing work with it. I don't know if any of you are really sim racing fans. Nah, not really. Mm. No. <clears throat> I can sometimes drive an arcade game, racing game car. Those are, yeah, those are like a fun little thing to do like every now and again in a blue moon. But yeah, no. I can go drive a real car. <laughs> I don't need the, the sim car. You can't drive them as fast, or you shouldn't as fast <laughs> as you drive them in this game. Um, yeah, I'd always recommend Forza Horizon to most people over this over motorsport. Um, they announced Microsoft Flight Simulator 40th Anniversary Edition. This is just kind of funny that it is the 40th anniversary of Microsoft Flight <laughs> Simulator. Mm-hmm. Good um, Lord. You know, Y'all played the new one? It's really awesome. Yeah, it is. It's quite good. Are, are you really into Flight Simulator? Uh, not so much the simmy aspects, but I really like the uh, fact that you can fly VFR. Like if you know what highway you're looking at, you can navigate from it because it's all, it's that detailed. And so I like flew home from here in, uh, in, uh, Microsoft flight sim. And that was really cool. <clears throat> yeah. They, uh, they stream in the, um, the maps from Bing maps. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody's using Bing Maps any other way, so they might as well put them into it a video impressive. game. Yeah, they're putting a lot of money in it. Yeah, uh, that's an amazing game. Um, again, even if you're not into sim games, just as a technical showpiece, mm-hmm. that's one of the most impressive games you'll see. Um, so one yeah. of the I saw some people saying like, but because it has a 
developer mode and a free camera mode, people have been trying to use it as like a photography helper. Like oh. if you if you plan to go somewhere and you want to get a specific shot, there's a chance that there's enough detail that you can actually kind of plan out when you want to be there, like how the, the lighting should look and that kind of stuff. That's wild. Wow. <laughs> huh. That's really interesting. I haven't heard about that. Um, yeah, so check out Microsoft Flight Simulator if you're thinking about buying it. Maybe wait for this 40th anniversary edition. I assume it's going to have some of the DLC and everything packed in. Or if you already have Game Pass, it's included with Game Pass. Um, they showed off some of Overwatch 2 and talked a little bit about it. Um, I don't know if anybody's a big Overwatch fan. Um, they showed off a, a few other games, Elder Scrolls Online, the High Owl um, expansion, Fallout 76, Expeditions, The Pit. Um, the Pit was already DLC for Fallout Fallout 3. three. Was it 3? <clears throat> so they're bringing it back for this, and I've seen some footage, and it just looks like a shooting gallery. It's <laughs> just you go in, and there's nothing more more going on than that, not just based on the videos. But I now think. with Brad Pitt. um that would be better than (laughs) setting it in pittsburgh if it was just about brad pitt you are hunting brad pitt in post-apocalyptic america it's a shame because i really like pittsburgh my parents moved up there a few years ago and i've gotten a little more familiar with that city and i was hoping to get a good fallout experience out of there but it just seems like not much going on yeah, I think you get a better um, experience of Pittsburgh in The Last of Us um, than oh, you I do. I forgot it's in there. Yeah, it, it's not very Pittsburgh. It's just some of the background like shots and everything are, are pretty good. Like They have the bridges <coughs> downtown, like the Roberto Clemente Bridge and stuff like that, but they don't actually, um, you know, they don't do anything fun with it, um, like you might hope. Um Let's see. We we talked about this being rumored, uh, but there is an expansion coming for Forza Horizon Five that is Hot Wheels. Uh, they did this for Forza Horizon Three. They're back doing it again. This is basically what you would think. It is the orange track pieces. So if you've ever built a Hot Wheels track, it is those pieces within the Forza Horizon Five world, um, making loops and stuff and everything for you to drive on. That's fun. It's a leaning more into the arcade side of Forza Horizon. Um, so, you know, that should be entertaining when it comes out. I'm not going to lie. That makes me a little more interested. <laughs> Forehead Legos, which was wild to me. <laughs> All kinds of weird stuff in, in that Legos expansion. Uh, is, are, the, are, are the cars really small in Hot Wheels? No. In the Hot Wheels expansion? No. Are they real it, tiny? No, it doesn't change the size of the cars. Damn it. <laughs> it would be really cool. Oh, God, that would be. Like, yeah. it could be like it Toy be Story, a, but scarier, too. It could too. just be a little guy. <laughs> Particularly if you were racing against the full size cars. Yeah. Like if you're driving a small car and everybody else was still in their full size car. Yeah. First level, just get out of the house <laughs> from upstairs. Looking like an Ant Man, where they had the, the kids kept on shrinking down and yeah. bigger. When he has to battle Thomas the Tank Engine at the end of the first Ant-Man movie. Best Marvel scene ever. <laughs> that is the best part of that entire movie. Yeah. I, I like that movie, but <laughs> that is the best part. Um, 
they showed off a bit of arc too. Um, Scorn, Scorn is their sort of HR Geiger horror game. Um, I'm so excited about Scorn. I've been waiting on it for <laughs> over half a decade at this point. <laughs> I'm so ready for it to come out. I love that kind of art style that Giger slash Bigzinski, uh, who's another who's a Polish or was a Polish painter. His kind of art style I've always been really into. Okay, yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. I think you talked to me about him once. Yeah, he. A lot of people think of his art as really dark and gothic, but I don't really see it like that, especially after mm. reading an interview where he's like, no, it's just kind of some things I see. And, yeah, some people think it's really dark. Mm. Uh, uh, and so I'm, I'm I'm very excited to see a whole world. where they It's not like open world, but it's a sprawling area mm-hmm. that you can explore and try to find your way out. Nice. It looks like it might have some Metroidvania-type you know, find thing that lets you go in a place you saw before kind of gameplay. Yeah, it's certainly one of the aesthetically more interesting games coming mm-hmm. out. Like it, you know, when you talk about style, this game has a very recognizable style. Like you see a screenshot and you're like, oh, that's Scorn. Nothing else yeah. quite looks like it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to see that they're finally, well, hopefully they can hit this release date because they've had a troubled development cycle they did a kickstarter and then they kind of ran out of money mm. like a publisher deal went fell through and so they were going to release it in two parts so they were going to just release mm-hmm. the first part first and then it take however long it means um then they got another publisher which i guess is microsoft and um were able to sh- shove it back into one all one mm-hmm. game but that's going to make it take longer to to do so um i'm just hoping that they get a good launch in and that it's a, that it works out for I, them. I didn't see this one. I I just looked it up now. Okay, yeah, I'm digging this. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is also coming to Game Pass. So again, yep. if you have Game Pass, this is uh, day and date release. Um, they announced Minecraft Legends. Um, this is the sort of real time yeah. strategy game set in the Minecraft world. Um, you know, like this is interesting. I, I find this interesting just seeing. You know, they paid what was it, $2 billion or something for Minecraft when they bought it. And it's interesting to see, like, they continue to milk Minecraft in a way mm-hmm. that I feel like no other single game has ever been milked <laughs> before because they ported it to everything. And, of yep. course, kids are still buying it, and they're, you know, setting up their own servers and everything, so they're getting money through all that. Or going to servers where you have to pay actual money to do stuff, which <laughs> is very common in Minecraft. Yeah, and but like to see them doing trying these spinoffs is kind of interesting. So they did Minecraft Dungeons, um, which is their sort of um, hack and slash uh, adventure game set in the Minecraft sort of gauntlet set within Minecraft. Diablo too, except without the loot. Right. Um, Maybe it has the loot. It, it does have some loot. I think. I think it does. But um, that's a pretty that's a pretty fun game. But it's a game that I got very bored with very quickly. Um, and maybe for little kids, it would be more interesting. I think it's a less interesting version of Diablo, basically. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so it'll be interesting to see with this, like, do they continue to lean into that? This is a very stripped down real time strategy game, or do they try to lean into it more as a game that would draw in, say, real time strategy fans? And, okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. And will we get our very realistic Jason Momoa avatar? <laughs> <laughs> what? For the movie? Oh, 
Jesse, uh, they're making a Minecraft movie and it's going to star Jason Momoa. I believe it when I see it. <laughs> it's directed by the director of Napoleon Dynamite. I, I refuse to let that affect me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just one of those stories that you just hope is true. You hope that happens <laughs> because it's, it's weird, weird and bizarre and crazy enough that um, it could be interesting. Um. There's some more things on here. We're not going to, like I said, if there's something that jumps out at you, uh, they showed off Grounded 1.0. That is their sort of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids game uh, where you're in a backyard, sort of a backyard survival, but you've been shrunk down. So um, obviously like ants and spiders are your biggest foes and everything. That game has one of the coolest features that I've ever seen in a game in that a lot of people cannot play that game because it's rendering fairly realistic spiders that are gigantic. And so people are scared of it. People who have arachnophobia and everything can't play it. So they actually let, they have like a slider in the game that lets you turn off the detail of the spider Hmm. to the point where it's just basically a generic looking like polygon enemy almost so that it doesn't trigger the arachnophobia in people playing that game. And I think that's one of the most unique, bizarre features I've ever seen in a game. And I think it was the last episode we were talking about accessibility in games. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a unique take on accessibility Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't think of. Yeah. Um, That people might be scared, too scared to play a game. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe we'll see that in all those hundreds of knockoffs of Dead Space that are coming out. Maybe some of those will have ways to turn down the level of gore and everything mm-hmm. in them. Um, they talked a little bit about Diablo 4 and released some new footage of it. Um, Diablo 4 looks like Diablo. I mean, it's a prettier <laughs> new Diablo game. Um, they have, I think the one thing... What do thing- you want? <laughs> <laughs> it's Diablo. <laughs> Um, I think the one thing that was kind of interesting is that they came out and said, this is not just going to be Diablo Immortal. Um, This is going to be a traditional Diablo game that seemed to be hinting this is not going to be filled with the same microtransactions. Of course, Diablo 3 launched to some problems because it had Mm. the auction house in the game uh, where you could sell off items and everything, and eventually they stripped that out of the game. Um, so I, I still do wonder, like, there's got to be some monetization of this game long term. Mm-hmm. So I do wonder what that will end up looking like for Diablo 4. It's just going to cost $10,000 out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be $60 if you just want to play, $10,000 if you want to finish it. This yeah. one's just for the whales. <laughs> um, they talked about Sea of Thieves Season 7. Um this is a game, again, that has lasted much longer than I would have ever thought. This game has been out, what, five years now at least? Yeah, something like that. And uh, they keep putting out new content for it and everything, and there seems to be a pretty dedicated fan base still playing that game. Um, I feel like sea-, sea of Thieves is one of those games that comes out, everybody talks about it, and then it sort of, I feel like, disappears from the consciousness of a lot of players. And then one day you find out, no, people are playing this game like 18 hours a day. 
they're really into this game, and you just don't ever really hear about it. Um, Same with uh, the Elder Scrolls Online, which we kind of skipped over, but that game is also like surprisingly just quietly massive. Yeah. A lot of those MMO games are, are like that now, right? Because there's even um, World of Warcraft is not nearly as big as it once was. It's, you know, its fan base has shrunk down. And so I feel like there's several of those MMOs that are just chugging along and nobody talks about them. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but they're still super successful. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not yeah. like they're dropping off. Like Warframe, which I love, mm-hmm. is another one that just... Until Fortnite came along, it was as quietly like the biggest shooter in the world. <laughs> right. Warframe is just a huge game. And, mm-hmm. you know, unless somebody's really into it, nobody talks about that game. Right. Um, I'm here to bring that to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> are you talk about f- Warframe Minutia. Are you a Warframe fan? Do you know what a Forma is? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm alone here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I played a little bit of Warframe when it first launched, and then every time I see anything of Warframe now, I'm like, that's not the same game I that's, played. <laughs> they, they, their expansions every year are, they change what the scope of the game is. It's not like Destiny where there's a new world and the loot gets changed. Uh, this is like always ma- asking, making you ask the question, like, what is it? What is this game? Uh, mm-hmm. And I can't really get into that without, like, spoilers because I do want people to play it, but... Um, yeah, play Warframe. It's free. Mm. It's got one of the least um, evil free-to-play schemes I've ever seen. And it seems to be working for them because yeah. you're absolutely right. Like, there's a huge fan base playing that game. Um, let's see. They Ryan, uh, this is particularly of interest to you, I feel like, because of news you shared this week. The Persona series is coming to the Xbox um, and particularly Game Pass. And we didn't talk about this in the intro, but Ryan, you actually just purchased a PlayStation 4. Yeah, um, this would have excited me more before that, I think. <laughs> but um, no, I, I got it. A friend recently got a PS5, so now I have the PlayStation 4. Um, so handy down, but like, you know, it, it's pretty good shape. Lots PS4. of good games on there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you got I, Persona 5. Yeah, and, but I'm also, like, a game reviewer I listen to, he, uh, he massively prefers Persona 4, and I think that was one of the games that's being ported over, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm super stoked to get a chance to play that. Because I... Um, so I, I'm going to get that on the Xbox and play it when it comes out. So the They're... Language is kind of odd. Is it clear whether it's only coming to Xbox or if it, is it coming to Game Pass as a whole, meaning it would be on Windows as well? Did we know that? Um, I think, I believe it's coming to uh, to PC as well. Because that would be cool. Um, I think that was it. It's, it's like Persona 3, 4, and 5, I think, that they're porting over. Um, so I, somebody can double-check that and everything. I'm not 100% sure on that, and I don't have it here in the notes. Um, oh, come on, Justin. Just hot gamer take. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to... when you're dead. <laughs> I don't want to talk too much uh, out of turn and everything, but uh, I do know it was at least 4 and 5 because, you know, 4, you're right, is the one that's generally considered to be the high watermark. I played that on the Vita, um, and... That, that is a very good game. 
uh, Persona 4. Um, let's see. Um, I believe Jesse's looking that up. So while he's doing that. It's confirmed on PC, Persona 5 at least. All right, cool. October 21st. Um, Hideo Kojima, the creator of the uh, Metal Gear games and, um, you know, Death Stranding and pretty much every weird, bizarre game that's come out <laughs> in Japan in recent years. Um, this is something I believe we've talked about in this podcast um, that has been rumored that he is partnering with Xbox on a new game that is going to heavily use the cloud, um, using cloud computing. Some people thought that... Who knows, that, <laughs> who knows how it's going to work? Yeah, some people thought that meant, and I've read this on Twitter and everything, some people thought that meant it was going to be a streaming-only game, a game you could only play via streaming. That is not at all, seems to be what the language actually says. Right. This is a game that is going to use the cloud computing for the power of it and everything. So mm-hmm. think more like how Crackdown 3 was very much originally being pitched, that it was going to use the cloud computing uh, to do the physics of the city so that if you could knock over a building and everything, that ended up not existing in the single-player version of the game, but in the multiplayer version of the game it does exist, and it does still use the cloud to render some of that and to uh, sort of sync up what's going on so that, you can have people bursting through a building and it stays synced across all of your games and everything, all the different people playing multiplayer. Um, Given what Kojima did with Death Stranding, where that was a game where things that other players were doing in the world might pop up in your world. So if somebody built a bridge uh, in their world, that might show up in your world that's probably more the type of thing he's going to do with this. But, you know, that's just guessing, yeah. right? Like nobody knows. They haven't said anything specifically about what this will involve. Yeah, but they haven't said if it's a new thing or if it's just another Death Stranding, which Norman Reedus kind of pointed towards they're, they're doing that. How does this podcast feel about Death Stranding? I'm not a big Death Stranding fan, but it, I don't think this can be another Death Stranding because Sony owns Sony, right. that. Uh, but it could be a game in that style, in the right? Genre. I, yeah. mean, I just ask because I'm a huge Death Stranding fan. Are you? Yeah, I actually have I've, not played it, so I I've, can't. Uh, I just finished my sixth playthrough last month. So have you played the director's cut yeah. version? That's yeah. why I hit six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, lots of people really like that game. Um, it's an interesting game. Mm-hmm. It, it it's, just, a, it's a dub, a triple A game where human life is not cheap, and every death matters, which really. St- stuck out to me uh, when I first started playing it. It's also just bizarre as all get out, which is kind of my thing. But yeah. <laughs> and it's also the least problematically horny Kojima game in like 10 years, <laughs> which is pretty good. I like that part. <laughs> this, is, this is You're doing better, Kojima. Stay mad at you. Let's see. Um, Capcom did a show um, Oh, sorry. We didn't talk about Starfield. Starfield was the last thing um, that kind of ended the Xbox show. This is the new Bethesda RPG. Uh, This is, you know, they do the the Elder Scrolls games and the Fallout games. This is their new space travel game, Mm -hmm. which I think this footage very much confirmed that this is just Fallout in space. 
Um, and I, I don't mean that derivatively, but like it, it very much looks like another one of those. It's they have not, a style. Yeah, that they go for. It's not a huge departure from those games. No. Um, so if you are into those games, this seems like it'll be right up your alley. Um, some people have criticized the footage, saying that it looks an awful lot like No Man's Sky. I don't buy that. There are two. It doesn't games. have any colors in it. <laughs> right. It's in space. It's ripping off No Man's Sky. I, I think that's yeah. I think that's part of the problem, right? Like these are two games about traveling from planet to planet. Yeah, they sort of look alike. You know, they're both from a first-person perspective. What did you expect them to look like? <laughs> well, no Man's Sky has this very uh, stylized, like, old science fiction novel covers kind of look with lots of vibrant colors. And Starfield is being described as NASA punk, mm-hmm. where it's kind of more uh, down-to-earth in terms of, like, how, you know, uh, how the ships look. And the planets don't tend to be, like, crazy vibrant forest they're like here's some rocks Uh, (laughs) which is not a problem um yeah i thought it was impressive especially technically ambitious if they if the thing they're saying is true about them being having like a hundred star systems which with each one having planets to explore and all that kind of stuff yeah they were saying a thousand planets um which you know that's how many there are Mm -hmm. you just have there (laughs) You just have to wonder what that means. And I think people have reacted very differently to this, depending on kind of what they're expecting those plants to be. This is not going to be, if you've played an Elder Scrolls game, if you've played a Fallout game, you already know this is not going to be a thousand handcrafted planets. That's not what they do. They use procedural generation to generate some of their game worlds and everything. That's why in Skyrim you wander into some cave and there's just nothing in the cave and everything. That's what you're going to run into on a lot of these planets. Um, And, you know, that can be fine. Like maybe there's something there, you know, a resource or something that you need to collect. Um, But if you're expecting it to be a thousand planets that you're going to spend hours exploring, that's probably not what this game is going to be. I mean, you can. You how, could. How, how, uh, how fulfilling that is is up in the air. Warner Herzog just films this, and I went to this planet. <laughs> I want to taste every rock on every planet. <laughs> Warner Herzog Starfield, <laughs> the documentary of him playing through the game. <laughs> Let's play with Warner Herzog. <laughs> if he starts up his own YouTube channel, I would definitely check that out. I would watch the hell out of that. <laughs> Um, so back to Capcom, uh, they announced, uh, Resident Evil Village is getting DLC and a third person mode. Um, you, as part of that DLC, you can play as the tall lady. Um, <laughs> so people are very excited lady, about that. First they dummy Tresk, I think it's how it's pronounced. Okay. Um, I wasn't I sure, so I wasn't this, even going to try. <laughs> I just beat that game last night. And so it's fresh on the mind. Uh, people were already excited because they announced the VR version, so you can get stepped on her by her <laughs> in VR. And so people are really excited about that. Now they can play as her. So all you like weird freaks who are really into the tall woman, you can live out all your fantasies now. There's nothing wrong with tall women. <laughs> Mommy Milker's DLC. <laughs> I was surprised. She she is not like the main boss of 
village. Not <laughs> not to spoil, but she's out of the picture pretty quick. Yeah, uh, people which, were. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. I was just saying. Yeah, people were disappointed by that. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things where it kind of got out of hand for Capcom. <laughs> like they showcased her early on because mm-hmm. she's you do meet her fairly early on in the game, and then that became like everyone's favorite part of the trailers. <laughs> And then all of a sudden it became, oh, no. Oh, no, we've created an iconic <laughs> lady. Yeah. Um, and we have set expectations very wrong for this game <laughs> about what people are going to get out of it. I just want to see, like, the reaction on, like, the Capcom executive spaces when people, like, start, like, why is it, why wasn't she in it longer? <laughs> oh, God. We, we <laughs> prepare the Mommy Milker's Order 66. <laughs> So, you know, they are giving you more of her in the DLC. So, you know, they are trying to mm-hmm. cater to the kink of their fans. Well, they're, uh, it's a multiplayer mode where she's showing up, as far as I understand, the mercenaries right. mode. Right. So and with the third person mode, those games, seven and eight, make a big deal out of not showing you the main character's face. And being a third person, it's like, are they going to do it? Are they going to show his face? Or is he just always going to be with his back right to the camera? They also, those games have a lot of weird violence. So, like, they have to show the violence, right, Mm -hmm. to you getting hurt. Mm -hmm. But the only thing that's on screen are your hands. So a lot of the damage in the game is to your hands Mm -hmm. or to your arms. And which is really weird after a while. (laughs) You start seeing your (laughs) character, like, stabbed and, like, cut across their hands. And you're like, how are their hands still existing Mm -hmm. and everything? the weird thing that he's gotten both his hands cut off and reattached in those in seven and eight, um, and I thought it was in seven because he was being infected by the thing that was causing the monsters to exist. But no, in eight, his hand gets cut off and he just finds like a health juice and pours <laughs> it on the stump, sticks his hand back on, and then it's just fine. As one does, Jesse. <laughs> There's a very like sort of Evil Dead sensibility to those games. I can appreciate that. <laughs> they, they went very B movie for this, which I'm happy with. Yeah, I, but I, that's my favorite for like the Resident Evil stuff when it's like not taking itself too seriously and it's just really B movie. Just rub a green herb on it and it's fine. <laughs> um, this is a follow up to something that we talked about previously. The PlayStation One games are running at 60 hertz on PlayStation Plus in North America. So we had talked about that in some of the Asian territories they were running at the uh, 50 hertz PAL um, refresh rate, but they are running at 60 hertz in America, and so you are getting the full speed of games. You won't get any of the slowdown or anything. Uh, OJ, I know that you were planning at least to upgrade to the top tier of PlayStation Plus. Have you done that since it launched? Um, yeah, so I got an email, and I think it did it automatically, but I haven't really looked too, too far into it. I haven't been playing a lot this week. Oh, okay. Um, but I think they automatically converted it. Okay. Well, finally, Sony's catching up with 25 years of emulation <laughs> on PC. Still not, because PS3 games still can't be played on the, the PlayStation 5. That's true. You have to stream them, which means you can't get the DLC for the games, for PS3 games. Unless you're clever. Mm. Unless you're, well, unless I'm you're not sneaky. clever. <laughs> Well, I don't think you can with the streaming, but I guess on if right. you want to stream it, if you want to emulate it on PC, you can definitely get the better experience, which is 
when you're trying to charge people money for something, <laughs> you should be giving them at least the equivalent experience. Right. Hopefully. I just want the DLC for Harmony of Dissonance, honestly, and be able to play with people. It's a it's a Castlevania game and it's uh, it's like a multiplayer online multiplayer Castlevania game. Cool. Um, it's really awesome, um, but the DLC is a large part of the game and it's not available on the. So like I had to pull out my actual PS3 and try and play it with old PS3 controllers and it's it's a little that rough. That controller doesn't hold up. It does not. No. <laughs> Well, OJ, um, you said you haven't been playing a lot. We're to the part of the show of what you've been playing. So what have you been playing recently? Uh, so I've been playing a game on PS now uh, called Blasphemous, which is uh, it's a it's an awesome Metroidvania game. Um, it's very, very dark. Um, and it's like... Uh, has a cool art style to the Oh, yeah. Game. Yeah. Um, and it's like a Roman Catholic uh, type Gothic thing. Uh, which I really like, and um, it's fun. But like I, the the torture that's happening in the game is is there's a lot happening on it. Um, but yeah, like so so there's something that called the miracle that happened, and people either got blessed, which a few people got blessed, or other people are enduring some type of torture or something that's happening. Like there's a a, a very large woman who has six swords in her heart. And when you meet her in different areas, it's like, she's like, pull one out. And then you get like a hit point or a hit point, max hit point uh, increase from that. And um, there's like, there's some sisters and their hair is all is attacking them. And uh, you have to fix that. And like, everybody wants it to be happening because they're like, oh, I was a sinner. And so now this is my penance. But it's a, it's, it's a lot of stuff happening. <laughs> but it, it's, it's a really fun game. It's a, it's more difficult of a Metroidvania than a lot of other games. I think it's kind of like a, a Dark Souls Metroidvania type Is it game. 2D? Or yeah, 3D? Okay. it's 2D. Um, and it's it really, really fun. Um, I really liked it. The, the weird way that that stuff comes in, like, um, like you get something that makes hair grow out of a wall, essentially, in certain areas that allows you to get to new areas and awesome. stuff. Um, and your character doesn't talk specifically um, because that's part of his penance. Um, and he's constantly, he has like a, a hat that has barbed wire in it that you're wearing. And um, it's it's pretty dark, but it's fun. That's cool. All right. Anything else? Um, this, uh, the Necromerger, the, the one game that I've been playing on my phone, has uh, an event that just happened where uh, you're trying to create honey, so you're making big bees. It doesn't sound very interesting, but <laughs> I mean, I mean, I fun. You're, you're trying to feed this giant monster honey because he really likes honey. Now, it, it did get my interest because I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> giant bees? Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm allergic, and I'm <laughs> nah, I'm not offended, but bees terrify uh, That's odd. It. I've, I've had a pretty June's pretty busy for me usually. So. Yeah, um, Ryan, how about you? What have you been playing? So, uh. Lately, I've, you know, I was visiting home and playing a lot of board games with my family, and I do have one more traditional video game I'll bring up, but one of the things I want to bring up is a game called Chronicles of Crime, because it's like a hybrid of a video game and a board game. Okay. Um, so, it you know, it's about solving crimes or mysteries or whatnot, um, and they have, like, different boxes and expansions, uh for, like, different themes. So there's, like, one that's, like, kind of a Stranger Things-type vibe. 
Um, and it's not Stranger Things officially, but it's that vibe. Um, 80s, kids on bikes. Yeah. Supernatural. Um, there's like a noir pack. And what? And we, me and my brother recently have been playing like a trilogy, which is like all of them are set like 500 years apart from each other. Um, so the first one is like Chronicles of Crime 1400. Second one is Chronicles of Crime 1900. And the other, and the one we played recently is 2400. So it's like set in the future and it's like a dark cyberpunk Blade Runner-y type world. Um, and so what you're doing in this game is you have the board game components, you have the cards, and it's, I guess the closest thing I can think of to compare to is something like Carmen San Diego or something, and the fact that you're, like, interviewing people and asking them questions or something. I, I haven't played those games in forever since I was a kid at all. And even then, I only played them a little bit, but that's what I kind of remember them being right. Um, and Wait, but, wait. Does this does have Rockapella in it? No. <laughs> <laughs> um... But what you do is you the cards have like little like you know scan things on them. So you actually scan you QR code. So you scan them, and then it pulls up in the app like what the character is saying. And then you you know you can like then scan other cards for them to interact with. Like because you're like you're a detective showing them. And it's like okay, well what do you have to say about this? Or you might scan another character card when talking to them. Like what do you have to say about this person? Um, That's really interesting. So. Does it play like a video clip or audio or is it just text that shows on your phone? It's text, although there's usually some sort of like um, sound going on in the background. It might be music. It might be sound to like simulate the kind of environment you're in. Mm -hmm. um, so like maybe it's rainy or something or something like that. Um, and it's so it's really cool because like the cards in this do add to the feeling of investigation because you're like you're finding out about characters and it brings up the number card so you're looking through the deck to find which character or you're trying to find an item so you're looking the deck to find which item and then just uh just the the tactile feeling you know that tactile combination with the video game you know the app is probably the core of it right because you are talking to the characters and asking them questions through the app but I do appreciate the tactile nature of having to actually scan things. Um, and also there's kind of a VR part where sometimes where you might be in a particular setting and you actually have to investigate the scene. So you actually like bring up the scene on like say an iPhone or an iPad and you actually have to like move around with it um, physically to kind of like see different parts of the scene. Um, and then you have to say, see, say things that you find um, suspicious or something. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're, Whoever, if you're playing alone, because you can play it solo, or if, you know whoever you're playing with, will pull out like the cards that seem to like, that say things that seem to um, resonate with what you're saying. So, like for example, if you see trash bags, there might be like a card that says trash. Or if you see like you see like bullets and guns lying around, they might pull out like a firearm, a card that says firearms, etc. Um, and it, I. And I did enjoy this one in particular because I enjoyed the story. I actually did enjoy the stories in this one. Sometimes the stories are hit and miss. You just more remember the experience. But I did like this story to go along with the cyberpunk setting. I like the fact that you're playing a detective that there's not really police in this version. Mm -hmm. Like there's like the watchmen owned by a certain common, uh, corporation called Belcor and you're somebody that recently left them because it's sent to that because you didn't want to be a part of the corruption. Um, so you're a private eye now, so you're investigating, investigating like, scandals at these different, like, high-tech companies or scandal, scandals concerning, like, hackers and anarchists trying to rebel against these things. Um, 
So it's just a really cool experience. It's called Chronicles of Crime, and the one I in particular I played was 2400. Did you ever play the game L.A. Noir? It's I played a little bit of it a long time ago. It's on my list of games to go back to. So th- what you're describing sounds an awful lot like a board game version of L.A. Mm-hmm. Noir. Yeah. Because that game is a lot of you go to a crime scene and you have to like look around and try to find something that would be of interest. And then you go and interview people and you have to know what to show them at a particular time, what to ask them about and everything. Um, So that's really cool because Ellie Noir's are a fantastic Mm -hmm. game. I plan to go back and try that one. That's like high up on my to playlist. Um, Yeah. If you, if you like that board game, I think you'd like Ellie Noir. And, I thought it was just a really cool way to combine board games and like video games. And mm-hmm. like it, I think it was just interesting to bring up here. Cause it's, I like how it kind of blurs that line. Like in a way I, I definitely feel like the video game part, like the app part is kind of the heart of it, but the card play is definitely a part of the experience and it's not the same thing without that. So um, that was like the thing that was a board game, but definitely blurred the lines between board games and video games. The, the, the straight-up video game I played was I was helping somebody learn how to work their Switch, and I was... So I started toying around with their copy of The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening on the Switch, mm-hmm. and I want to get my own copy of this because I was really digging this little game. Um, it's cool. Yeah, I I love the... So I love board games, too, so I love, like, miniatures and stuff, and I loved, like, the plastic look of it. Mm-hmm. Like, some games look like plastic, and you get kind of, uh, you know, there's a bad, pl- such a thing as a bad plastic look where it's just kind of, like, bland and, like, textureless. But this, you know, is very stylized and intentional. And it, you know, it you, the way, like, the light shines off of the, pl- like, the plastic look of, like, the different pieces and stuff. I call them pieces. It's graphics. But it just looks that much like miniatures and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that aesthetic. And I, I just, it, it's just a very cute little Zelda game. Like, I... And, like, I had a lot of fun already, like, immediately exploring that world. Um, and I like the little, some of the, like, the little uh, collect-a-thon stuff. Like, there's stuff you can collect and put in it's, like, put in different places labeled for those things. Like, I think, for example, I could get, like, a, tr- a trophy that looked like a chomp-omp. And I could go into, like, somebody's house that I visited. The Link breaks into a lot of houses, by the way, for anybody not familiar <laughs> with the Zelda games. But, like, you know, I could go in their house and then place it on that place labeled it, and I'm wondering what's going to happen when I do that with all the things. And uh, it's not, like, nearly big as expansive or something like Breath of the Wild, but this it, it has a lot of charm to it. I really was enjoying it. Um, I hope to play more of it in the future. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the original Game Boy version, you know, started out as a original Game Boy game, Um a lot of people consider that to be their favorite Zelda game. Um, you know, even people who've played all the variety of different Zelda games over the years and everything that ranks really high for a lot of people. Um, and that remake is fantastic. They did an amazing job on it. Looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's a re- <laughs> that's an example of a remake where it feels like, yeah, that was worth it. Like you should have done a remake of that game so more people can experience it. And I like that, like they didn't just like, I just I like the creative decision and how far they went with the graphics. They could have just made like a fairly generic looking remake, but just you know in more you know in more advanced graphics. But they they really went for a nice unique style to this that stands out, yeah. and you know it it fits the it fits this vibe of the gameplay. 
Yeah, that, that's one thing Nintendo, I feel like in recent years, has really done exceptionally well is try to give every game or every franchise its own look and feel, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, when you, the Yoshi's Island games have their own look and feel to them, and, you know, they do the, like, Yarn Yoshi and, um, and, and all those sorts of games. They do a really exceptional job of that, I think, um, right. and... You know, it makes what could be very forgettable games sometimes uh, leave a very much lasting impression. Luigi Luigi's Mansion uh, is a good example of that. That game is is like fifty percent the style and presentation of the game. Right, that's the appeal of it. Um, all right, uh, Jesse. Uh, like I said, I just finished Resident Evil Village last night. Um, I got it. When it came out, but after a couple hours, I just kind of fell off it, and mm-hmm. then I decided to finally go back because I'm, I played Resident Evil Seven again a couple of days ago, <clears throat> uh, and it, I got to the part where I had left off, and that's where the favorite, my favorite stuff in the game is. It's like after the lady, there's a <laughs> bunch more stuff to go do. Uh, I, I Resident Evil games don't scare me so much, except for this one thing that happens, which <laughs> I don't want to spoil. But there's like a, a uh, kind of a haunted house escape room thing that one of the features of it just scared the bejeepers out of me. I was <laughs> screaming like like a like I had banana brains and running out of that house. Um, this morning I just started Silent Hill three for the first time. I've only ever played two, uh, uh, so I'm excited to do that. I, I love. I guess I'm kind of on a horror game kick, which I get in sometimes. Is Silent Hill three pl- for the PlayStation two PC? For you're playing it on the PC. Yes. Okay. Silent Hills 2, 3, 4 are on the PC, so okay. not the first one. But like Silent Hill 2, um, if you have a legit copy of it, there's this mod that kind of brings it up to parity with the PS2 version, except like the, the the shadows are a bit better and it's widescreen and that kind of thing. So that's where I first played it. Was this? It's called the Silent Hill 2 Enhanced Edition, which I highly recommend if you want to play that game on PC. Uh, they don't have that for 3 or 4, but frick it, it's gamer time play some video games <laughs> i just got off of a shooter kick specifically from like early to mid 2000s i played the max Payne games i played um uh prey from 2006 i played mm-hmm. doom 3 i played quake 4 i played fear uh the slow motion shooty thing which um that was a fun time those are little bite-sized <laughs> games there i mean they were sold at full price but their campaign was still like four to five hours right yeah, so I, I enjoyed kind of going through those, and now I'm... Which of those holds up the best, having gone back to them? Prey from 2006 kicks Quake 4's Heine. It's, it is so much better. Quake 4 is uh, very disappointing. I have a screen memory of Raven Software being this kind of, like, great place that made shooters with great stories, but really, as I've gone back and played them, it's very, like, well, you were... Okay, at shooters, or you're fine at shooters, but then you made the uh, the story, the excuse to shoot slightly above average. Is kind of where they were at, uh, and Raven made uh, Quake Four. I mm-hmm. was, and it was disappointing. They didn't do anything new with the Quake Two kind of universe. They didn't world build at all. They didn't. You didn't learn anything about the world. It was just kind of corridors on corridors on corridors. Where Prey, you have like living weapons, and you got portals, and you're learning about this weird alien spaceship you're on it was uh, great even if the main character was kind of a annoying lunkhead kind of fella 
And and the original prey is the one where when you die, you go to like the afterlife, and yes. you have to escape from the afterlife mm-hmm. to like restart and right. play. Yeah, I remember that being really unique at the time and just like really grabbing my attention. Right. Uh, far before Portal did it was was that. Um, Max, Max Payne 1 holds up a, a whole lot. I love that game so much. It's so simple, but the story is such a great kind of Lynchian deconstruction of that kind of uh, hard hard knock cop <laughs> who has to go on a revenge trade. Right. I love Remedy. I love their latest game, Control. It's one of my favorite games they've ever made of that year. Um, and then Fear, I hadn't played since it came out, and that's going to be one of those ones I go back and replay every couple of years now. It's It holds up really well. I liked it a whole lot. And they're doing the remakes of Max Payne 1 and 2. Yes. Um, I, I want them to just make more control games because I love it so much. But uh, awesome. They're doing that. They're doing Alan Wake 2. They're doing two more control games eventually. So I'm, I'm excited about their uh, output. Yeah, they're crazy busy. Their schedule yeah. for the next, like, <laughs> 10 years, it mm-hmm. seems like, with the number of games they've announced. Um, anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. Um, well, my big game I've been playing, and I've only been playing this a couple of days since I got back into town. I've been playing the new Ninja Turtles game, Shredder's Revenge, and I absolutely love this game. This game is fantastic. Um, this is very, very much a spiritual sequel to the Ninja Turtle arcade games. So the yep. original arcade game and Turtles in Time, if you've played those, if you're a big fan of those, this is a game that wears its affection for those games very much on its sleeve. Um, it is very much that era of Ninja Turtles, so the original cartoon series and everything. It is borrowing the designs of the characters and the world and everything from that. It has those characters in it, so... It is a side-scrolling beat-em-up. Um, you can play as the four turtles, obviously, but you can also play as Splinter, um, April O'Neil, and you can unlock, eventually, Casey Jones. Um, he is not unlocked at, at the beginning of the game, but there's some way I have not yet figured out <laughs> to unlock him. Maybe you have to beat the game to unlock him and play him. Um you can play this with six players at once, um, which you know is possible mostly because it is a widescreen game versus you know obviously the original is a four by three game and everything. So, but it is pure chaos when you have six players <laughs> on screen at once. So I did play that a little bit online. Um, I think it's probably more fun like as a couch co-op game with people sitting there in the same room as you and everything. Is it online? Yeah, it is wow. online. You can play, uh, you know, up to six players online and everything. Um, it's got a really kind of nice art style to it. It is very animated. Um, it looks good. Uh, it's not, it doesn't look exactly like the original games. doesn't look exactly like the cartoons, um, but it is everything's super well animated, all the characters and everything that you're interacting with. There's a lot of sort of callbacks to the original arcade games. Um, 
one of the things you can do is grab guys and throw them into the screen, um, <laughs> which you had to do to beat Shredder. And I think that's at the beginning of Turtles in Time that you have to do that in a fight with him. Um, so there's a lot of callbacks to that and everything. There's an arcade mode, but there's also a story mode. And the story mode's really kind of interesting because as you're going through the story mode, there's an overworld map as you're going around New York City and going and completing different missions, and you can drive the turtle van around to the different uh, areas. But then also you'll, like, save characters. So, like, you save uh, Vernon, which is the um, reporter that April works with. Um, I don't know if you remember him from the cartoon. He was the sort of slimy guy that she worked with and everything. Um which I don't know, is that supposed to be Will Arnett's character when they did the reboot movie? I think so. Yeah, um, but anyways, he's in this, and so like he'll be like, hey, I've lost five videotapes. Can you find my five videotapes? And then he just becomes an icon on the map. And then as you go through the levels, you're finding in like objects and things uh, different, uh, like you unlock pizzas and stuff to do your health, and you'll... But you also find, like, these items in some of the uh, items that you smash. So, like, you'll smash a crate, and there'll be a VHS tape. And if you collect five VHS tapes, you take them to Vernon, and then he gives you points that, like, help you unlock other things. Um, so, like, that's kind of cool in the story mode because it makes it feel more like a fully fleshed-out game than just a, a straightforward side-scroller. Um, so... You know, I've been enjoying that. There's a lot of, like, cameos from different characters. So, like, the Kung Fu Frogs or something, like, who were characters in the original cartoon series, they're in this game. And then they also have, like, the dinosaurs from Dimension X. If you remember those from the original Ninja Turtles cartoon. So they're bringing in, like, lots of uh, what I feel like, in hindsight, are very obscure characters. If you haven't watched that cartoon in a long time, which I haven't. Um, so I just think all that's like really cool. It's really a lot of fun. Um, you can kind of just, you know, button mash your way through it, but there's also some pretty more advanced like combos that you can learn, uh, as you're going through it and everything. Uh, you know, I don't know how much it's worth cause I don't know how much like replayability there is to the game, how much you would play it over time. But I would say it's very much worth like twenty to thirty dollars. I don't know if I would pay seventy dollars for it, but it is on Game Pass, so Game that's Pass. where I'm playing it. Um, the other game I wanted to talk about real quick is Agent Sixty Four: Spies Never Die. There is a demo up on Steam of this. This is a sort of tribute to GoldenEye Double uh, O Seven on the N sixty four. It very much looks like GoldenEye 007 on the N64, but like widescreen and with slightly higher resolution and everything. Um, and it even has the same like kind of structure. Like you start, you choose one of three difficulties, and each difficulty adds additional objectives as you go through the level. So it'll be like, um, well you know, escape the building, but then it'll add on to that. Well, you need to access this particular part of the building. You need to disarm the explosives in the building. You need to do this. So very much like golden I 007, if you played that on the N64. Um, and even just the sort of um, 
the way that the uh, the enemies interact with you, like your pistol, it just takes a couple of shots to take them out, very much like uh, Golden Eye did as well. So I don't know how great the final game will be. Right now they just have this demo. It's just one level. But if you like the original Golden Eye, this is very much going to give you those nostalgia vibes and everything. And so, you know, it's a free demo right now. So if you're at all interested, I'd say it's worth your time. And I really enjoyed playing through that one level. Um, all right. So that does it for what we're playing. So to finish off here, our big question for the week is, what game during this E3 season has you most excited or impressed or interested based on what you've seen so far of it? Um, and OJ, why don't we start with you? Uh, so I think I'm going to go with surprise, surprise, Final Fantasy 16. Um, <laughs> after Final Fantasy 15, I wasn't quite sure. Um, and like Final Fantasy games go in between being like a medieval theme or then being like a dark, futuristic city type theme. Um, and I don't really like the medieval theme ones as much. Um, like Final Fantasy 12, as we all know how I feel about that. But um, <laughs> right. Well, um, you don't because you don't well, remember it. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I just blocked it out now that I'm thinking about it. But um, but it looks good for a medieval one, and really the focus that they have on the summons, I think, is I'm really excited about that. All right. Uh, Ryan. Um, I know I'm just saying this just from seeing pictures of it, but because I didn't actually see the thing for it, but I'm, I'm digging the scorn thing. This looks cool. Yeah. Because I, I, I mean, I like that. I, I dig that HR guy. Come style. Over. I love <laughs> I love Alien. I love I love the Aliens anthology. I even love like what's considered the bad aliens. So movies. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm interested in this. All right, uh, Jesse. I was gonna. I mean, yeah, you you all heard me wax poetic about how how cool Scorn is and how mm-hmm. it's gonna be great. But um, I also have to give a shout out. And it's weird for me uh, to Starfield, which which impressed me a lot more than I thought it would. Even if the story's not great, which they have a kind of a iffy <laughs> track record on that, it's I like space stuff, and if I can just explore around some planets, I'll be cool. I'll be fine. Um, yeah, I think I mentioned this last week when we were talking about it, um, but I'm really excited for the new Cuphead game. Um, you know, it, it's DLC, it's the delicious last course. Um, they have said that there is as much animation in this DLC as there was in the entire original game. Um, they've mentioned kind of targeting for Fantasia type animation as their like goal with it and everything. Oh, nice. Um, I, I just love that original game. It's such a unique game and it just looks so unique and is fun to play, even as it can be incredibly frustrating. That's a really hard game, um, at, but it just looks amazing while you're playing it. And I just want more of that. And so even if that's all this is, is just more of it with maybe slightly better animation. Um, that's enough to get me excited. So I'm really excited to play that when that does come out. So that's Cuphead, the delicious last course. Um, all right, that does it for us this week. Jesse, we want to thank you for sitting in with us. We've been actually trying to get you in on an episode yeah. uh, for, uh, well, going back for a couple of months, months, I feel like. <laughs> now. 
Um, and it just never worked out schedule-wise and everything. So we're happy that you got to sit in on this episode with us. And happy to be here. Maybe we'll come get back anytime. Yeah, um, we'd love to have you back sometime and everything. And th- this summer, it seems like one of us is gone every week that we record. <laughs> so um, there's probably a good chance we will have opportunities uh, at least this summer. Um, OJ, Ryan, again, thanks as always. Ryan, it's great to have you back. Alicia, thanks for nothing. You uh, abandoned wow. us. <laughs> and all of my controllers need updating right now, and you're gone, and I don't know what I'm going to do. How is he supposed to do this on his own? <laughs> he needs a professional. <laughs> also, just a reminder, Waluigi, way better than Sonic. <laughs> he could probably run faster, too. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can go along with that. <laughs> I may actually, you may have found the one thing I have to side with Sonic on. <laughs> Uh, but thank you for everyone listening. Um, as always, you can reach out by emailing me at justin.young at siu.edu. Uh, questions, comments, uh, complaints, you can send those our way and we'll get those out to everyone. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Check out salukigames.com. There's lots of content up on there, uh, as well as the past episodes of this podcast. And we'll be back uh, probably in another two weeks with a new episode.